0: Hallelujah. Well, this is the 8.30 class gong. There's the gong. We're beginning the, the teaching. Uh, today we're going to do a real Bible study, so open up to Acts chapter 6. It's not just a Bible study, though. I don't know what title we're put on this. It's something along the lines of whose mind are you following? <laughs> are you following his or are you following yours? And uh, it also has to do with Jesus being the head. Did you know a two-headed anything is a monster? I found in my own life, uh, I've been a monster a lot. Because I've been trying to be the head, and he's been trying to be the head, and a two-headed anything is a monster, you know. Also, a no-headed anything, anyway, that's another. (laughs) I've met some of those too So, even though I said go to Acts 6, keep a marker there, you don't have to turn to these. Let me just refresh your mind uh, on these two verses. And one of them is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. It says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, now get this, even as the Lord the church. For... We are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. Now, we've heard that theologically. We we know that doctrinally. You, You can probably speak it as well as I can speak it. But He's bringing us more into the reality of it so that revival can happen in the earth. I'm going to read that one more time now. For no man ever ever yet hated his own flesh. Now, in the context, he's talking about the church being the body of Christ. So let me ask you, are you his flesh? Notice that robust response. <laughs> it's not a trick question. That's what he's saying. We are, on planet earth, he has no flesh but ours. He has no body but ours. Isn't that right? Well, does he hate your flesh? But aren't we supposed to mortify it? Somebody hates it. <laughs> no? He doesn't hate unmortified flesh. He does hate no, excuse me, wrong way. He hates unmortified flesh. But mortified flesh is what we're what he's after. Because unless he has mortified flesh now, what do you mean by that? That sounds very religious. Flesh that's been brought under the dominion of the Spirit. Which is exactly the way his body was to him when he had his physical body on earth. Who ruled in his life? His his flesh or his spirit? Who rules your flesh? (laughs) Very timidly I hear our spirit. (laughs) Because that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, so the whole reason for the going through the fire, the purging, the bringing the flesh into dominion is not just so you can live a more holy life, although that's part of it. The real purpose is that your flesh becomes his flesh. As you bow to him, your flesh bows to you. And his will gets accomplished on the earth because now he's got a body to use again. It's so simple. It's just so simple. It's Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But that's not going to happen if we don't present our bodies to him, holy and acceptable. He presented his to the Father. We have to present ours to Christ. So he doesn't hate our flesh when it's... He, he's Can I just say it this way? He's after your flesh. Because unless he can obtain bodies of Christians on planet Earth, he doesn't have a body to work through. It's just that it's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. All right, the other one is 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You don't have to turn there either. It's just so blatant. Paul, do you have to be so blatant. He says, now... You are the body of Christ, and members in particular. In other words, you're not just His body in general. You are His body in particular. You have a part to play in the overall body of Christ. My thumb is not my toe. My toe is not my ear. My ear is not my eye. My... uh, I have a whole body in general but I have members in particular and each one of them has a particular function. I'm glad that my uh, hand doesn't rebel every time I tell it, you know. Here see here comes the the, the who's supposed to be the head of the hand is the hand's the decision making part of the body. No. no, the head is, isn't that right? So my my head says hand give hundred dollars to Fred. Is that God? See, Fred's going hallelujah back there. That's God, right? Now, what if my hand goes, no, we need that. I'm not going to give it. Hand, you have no decision-making authority in the body. What are you doing? I'm the head. You do what I say. No, I don't. I'm look. My hand goes, no, that's just not practical. That's not wisdom. Fred, he's got too much money anyway. (laughs) Fred's loaded. We'd think something's really wrong with our hand, wouldn't we? I think the Lord thinks something's wrong with His body sometimes. Whose mind are we following? Who is the head? All right, now Acts chapter six. I got to give you a little history. Uh, See. Acts chapter six is in the midst of the first great revival after the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven. If you, for example, if you, we're not going to teach on, you know, we don't have uh, four hours. <laughs> we're not going to, but if you back up into Acts chapter five, uh, well, of course, that's where the judgment of Ananias and Sapphira happens. But look at verse twelve in Acts five. Now we're not teaching on this, but just. I want you to see what was going on. What what was the atmosphere like? What was happening? By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Does that sound like revival to you? does to me. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them. Now look, this is revival, verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. Dear Lord, this is... I don't even remember Jesus walking through a town and they bring people shadow length and the people got healed. You know, he said, And greater things than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. Well, to me, this is a greater thing. And of all people, Peter. <laughs> we love Peter, you know, because he he would make mistakes and we can relate with that. So it's a revival this is the first great revival after the Lord uh, ascended back into heaven but it's not without persecution we still have my message hasn't started yet so my time anyway but the next subheading here right in the middle of that it says the the apostles were imprisoned and this is where they told him don't you teach this anymore and it's where Peter says whether to obey you or men you choose we're going to obey God and they beat them they actually beat them and and, uh, in fact come on down to Acts 5.40 just so you can see it and and to him they agreed when they had called the apostles and beaten them how many looking forward to revival now (laughs) we are aren't we yes yes But just know, religion's not going to be happy about it. Politics is probably not going to be happy about it, at least at first. Hmm. Boy, I wanted to go somewhere there. but. (laughs) Hmm. And then beaten them and commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41, And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. They just got beaten. But they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name and notice. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now that's the lifestyle. I want you to see what was going on. No matter the persecution, no matter what's happening they are going to teach and preach Jesus and we're supposed to do that we're to be witnesses every day I believe in sharing our testimony not everybody's called to be an evangelist I am most certainly not an evangelist but I am a witness and I can certainly tell the great things that the Lord has done for me and we can all tell about Jesus the one who came to die for your sins glory to God amen so that I want that's the lifestyle and it's expanding and see I the, the kind of revivals that's going on there, what if it's you that brought your sick child, laid him on the street there so that Peter's shadow would go by, and in the name of Jesus, you know what's going on here, it's not Peter, when that sh- when when, you, when that shadow falls on your child, your child is healed, who's going to shut you up? You're going to be... First off, your relatives who know that child are going to go, What happened? How did this child get healed? Well, you're going to tell them first, but you're going to be telling everybody. Say, don't go on a cloudy day. The shadows are brighter on a sunny day. I'm, te- I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But you're going to be telling everybody. You got a sick child? I know what to do. But it's the name of Jesus. It wasn't it's the power of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't the shadow that healed. It was the presence of God emanating from Peter. I'm just telling you, we were they were in revival. Okay. My message starts now. (laughs) Acts 6. And in those days, those are the days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God And serve tables. Now here we go back to the body again. See the apostles knew this was a need. It's a legitimate need. The widows need to be fed. They're not saying they don't need to be fed. But see there's different parts of the body. And it's not reasonable. It's not reason that these apostles should leave the word of God in prayer to go wait on tables. That's what I'm saying. There's different parts in the body. My thumb is not my toe. My toe is not my ear. We all have our part to play. But note, and don't despise the day of small beginnings, because watch what happens here now. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who you may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Sounds like the prayer center to me. Verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, (laughs) and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. But now notice, Stephen started off, we don't know, I don't know how much time went by here. We're not told how much time after Stephen was one of the seven, and Philip was one of the seven, we, you know. Philip was the one that preached to Damascus. I mean, he got the whole region saved, and They were despised by the Jews, but not despised by Jesus. He sent Philip. Anyway, that's another lesson. (laughs) Let's talk about Stephen today, see. So Stephen starts off. Now he's full of faith and he's full of the Holy Ghost. And what's your first job? Pulpit ministry. What's your first job? You get to serve the widows. (laughs) You get to wait on tables. I love Alan's story about him and that one other guy during the conferences. They're probably the most mature believers there. And what was their job? They're, <laughs> they're back there washing the dishes, you know. <laughs> so doesn't that sound like Stephen starting off? Okay. Now, I don't know how much time goes on between verses 7 and verse 8. We don't know. May not have been much time. May have been a, may have been a year. I have no idea. But Stephen didn't stay, just doing tables. Notice, verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Mm. Now, when that starts happening, he really got the devil's attention. And the devil stirred up religion to come after him. We'll read it just enough where you can see it here. Verse 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And that's going to be the same way with you. When when we really come in line with the Holy Ghost and we're we're connected and listening with Him and He's directing our words, they're not going to be able to resist the wisdom and the, the Spirit by which you speak either. Okay? That doesn't mean they're going to all like it. Verse 11, Then they suborned Him, which said, We have heard Him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes And came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Now, they're bringing him to court. If this was your life, this is serious. They're bringing you to court. And they set up false witnesses. There you go. And and these false witnesses are saying, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. So, So he was really scared. Right? He's sitting there and he's going, you know, he's got the face of an angel. He's full of peace. Full of peace right in the midst of this. Then said the high priest, are these things so? Now, we have no time. If you want to read one of the a Picasso, a Rembrandt, of a speaking forth of the a brief history of the whole gospel, it's... Stephen's reply in chapter 7 but he does not hold back and he teaches everything the man says you can you can just go back verse by verse by verse he is he is speaking the truth in love to these men and you got to understand unless these men the, unless these people repent and receive Jesus every single one of them is going to wind up in hell this is speaking the truth in love no matter the consequences doesn't matter but read it sometime we don't have time to get it it's beautiful it's wonderful it's one of my favorite passages but let's come down to the end come down to verse 54 oh we got to we got to we got to do 51 you so see you can see how scared and trembling stephen was you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one. Of whom you... (laughs) I wonder if his finger went out. Of whom you have been now the betrayers and the murderers. You murdered the just one. Who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. If you murdered him who did, keep it, is what he's saying. God, trembling with fear, wasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now, I I underline standing, because normally Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But this this got his attention. When they come after you, you, they got the Lord's attention. He was standing. Hmm. That made him even more mad when Stephen said that. Verse fifty seven. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now we know who Saul was. That's Saul of Tarsus. Eventually Saul becomes the, the most he becomes the the greatest, the worst, the most serious persecutor of the church. Of that time. He hated Christians. He thought he was doing God a service. He absolutely believed it was a cult. uh, And he thought he was helping God by having them arrested and brought back. And he agreed with the stoning of Stephen. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen. Calling upon God. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Does he know he's going to die? Now let's stop for a moment. I, I did this Sunday night. He, he's been having me in this passage. I can't get out of it. I keep thinking I'm done and I'm not done. I have been in fist fights in junior high and high school. And plus even before, you know, we moved about every six months. And it seems like every, every new town we moved to, I was always the chubby fat kid, new kid in town. Had to prove myself with a fight. But I've been in some pretty, even as I got older, you know, you're almost grown in 10th grade, 11th grade. And I've been in fights. I know what it is to win a fight. I know what it is to lose a fight. I have been hit so hard in my mouth. I know what it is for my teeth to get loose and be tasting my own blood. I remember a fight I had one time against a guy. I absolutely thought that guy was going to kill me. I thought I couldn't beat him. And I thought he's not going to stop. I I thought I was going to die. Stephen knows he's going to die. We're not told if Stephen was married, if he had children, I don't know. Whether he did or not. One thing for sure, he goes, this is it. See, I've never had anybody yet take a rock, probably bigger than your fist, take a rock and, and throw that at your head. And I mean with force. I mean, there. The, the, can you tell they're they're gnashing with their teeth? They're, uh, they're they're full of anger and they're throwing these rocks and these are people that knew how to stone somebody. And I've tried to meditate it from Stephen's I can't tried to think of what the pain would be like with these rocks hitting you. But Stephen, even though he was so forceful there Stephen is so full of the love of Christ, he's able to pray as with his his dying breath, knowing this is it. I'm never going to see if he's married. I'm never going to see my wife again. I'm never going to see my kids again. And he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't steal. He didn't murder. He didn't do anything. All he did was hold fast to the truth of Jesus and do signs and wonders. This is it. But he's so full of the love of Christ. Verse 60, he kneeled down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. I don't know that I'm even there yet. Don't know that I am. That's the love of God. Only recently has he really been showing me his heart for the sinner in a way that I i never understood it before, and I don't have any time to get into that today. But there was a time when my youngest daughter was in such rebellion. She was actually behind bars and looking at a 12-year prison sentence. And I'm telling you that I was not happy with what she was had done to bring her to that place, but boy, the love on the inside of me. I'm looking at her, and all I want is my daughter back. I want that little girl back that used to draw... Pictures, you know, she'd color pictures and bring them for daddy. Come sit on my lap. I wanted her back. I wanted her, my daughter back, saying. See. see, we don't understand that from God's point of view, every fallen child of Adam, every, every person on planet Earth, from his point of view, is his child behind bars. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost. The God of this world has blinded their eyes to the light of the gospel that shines in the face of Jesus Christ. God wants his family back. So with his, even though Stephen was so forceful in his delivery, it was still the truth spoken in love. And you can tell that from this prayer because it comes from the heart, Lord. Lay not this sin to their charge. We have not yet understood the power of forgiveness. I am telling you, Jesus said in another place, which you don't have time, but he said, and teaching on forgiveness, he said, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He gave the story of that that man that owed a debt that he could never pay, but the king loosed him from the debt. And he wasn't willing to forgive a small debt And he wound up with the tormentors. But see, there's power in forgiveness when you loose somebody. Stephen loosed every person that was there. Notice how he says it lay not this sin to their charge, plural. That includes Saul standing there. Because I used to wonder Jesus doesn't normally appear himself to save people. He sends, doesn't he send people to save people? He's. He sends us. He sends people. But for some reason, he was authorized, somehow, he was able to go after Saul himself. Let's just go look at it. Uh, We go over to uh, chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest... Desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that means Christianity, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now, he mean, that means today we'd be in handcuffs. He's going to bring you for trial. This is the atmosphere. Great revival and great persecution. Are you ready? Right now, it's just so you know. If you if you just stand up and say that lifestyle is wrong, right now you'll just be called a bigot and a hater and ostracized, and they'll delete your social accounts. But it may it may come quickly, quickly to the place you you say that's wrong. You're going to jail. We got a there's a pastor in Canada right now, just for. Preaching the gospel and keeping his church open when they said he couldn't, he's in prison this very moment that I'm preaching right now. In Canada, sweet, they're sweet people in Canada. Well, they were. <laughs> I think the people still are. They got got a dictator in charge. In my opinion, that okay. See, I got to go. I can't go. There. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, back to chapter 9. I better stay with the Word. Okay. Verse 2. No, first 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly... I love suddenly. There shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. Now, this is not a vision. You're going to see in a minute that the Lord appears in a vision to a disciple named Ananias. This is direct contact. (laughs) This is a light from where? A light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou? Me. The master has showed up himself. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. And this is not a vision. I don't know how this works. You don't either. (laughs) But all I know is, when when he shows up himself, it's powerful. And there was such a light, it blinded Saul. He fell to the ground. I like to say it knocked him off his high horse. (laughs) Anyway, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would you have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. In other words, when his eyelids come open, but he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. Now, here's a man that's had the authority from the high priest. He was the chief persecutor in the land. When he spoke, Stuff happened. A man of total authority. One encounter with Jesus, and he can't even find his way. He's, he's blind. He's, and he was that way for three days. And I think he's wise. He thought that was a good time to go on a fast. <laughs> he didn't eat or drink for three days. Now, all of that really is leading up to today's lesson. Because it's, it's something like, Whose mind... Are you following? See, we've got the obedience of one disciple named Stephen on the front end of this. And what I mean by obedience, not only did he hold fast to the truth in the midst of very severe persecution, but he did the thing that's really the hardest for humans to do. He forgave those from the heart. He forgave those. He loosed every single one of those. Ask the Father to forgive them and not hold it against them. When he did that, according to Jesus, he loosed them. And I have no doubt at all that's why Jesus himself had the authority to go after Saul. I'd like to know what happened with the rest of those men. I bet if we knew the story, Jesus may have appeared to all of them. But we don't know that. That's speculation. But I know heaven was loosed to go after him. Because of the obedience of a disciple on the front end of this. Now let's look at a, the obedience of another disciple. See, because it's not really... If it was the Lord's will to get people saved by Jesus himself appearing, we, that would happen all the time. Now it is happening a lot in other nations right now. You can read about it in Iran. In Iraq, they talk about the man in white who appears to them in dreams. It's not really a vision like this, but he appears to them in dreams and visions. And it, he tells them it's Jesus. And a lot of them are getting saved. That way. But there is no other way. There's no other option. And I believe the reason that's happening is because of the intercessors around the world that are praying and authorizing that kind of thing. But anyway, we got to stay with the story. Verse 10. And there was a certain disciple. Boy, if you underline or highlight in your device, <laughs> that word disciple is so important because it does not say apostle, doesn't say fivefold. It just says, disciple. I think Dave would say this is Joe Public. It could have been Mary Wallpaper. It's a disciple. We're never told anything about this fella again. We're not told anything that happened before. He's a disciple. And I think, I think it's kept brief in there on purpose because he's a type of us. This, this is how it's supposed to work. See, all of this time that we spend in prayer... Now, we're not told anything. I don't know whether this... We don't know whether he was in the shower riding his camel. (laughs) We don't know what happened exactly. We don't know really much about his life. All we have is that one word, disciple. Well, if he really was, then I would say, based on the Sermon on the Mount, this is a fellow who prays. This is a fellow who gives. This is a fellow who fasts. This is a fellow who forgives those his enemies, you know, their trespasses. Nobody's perfect, but it does say he's a disciple. Well, the word disciple means disciplined follower. So I think his general life, if you followed him, and here is a man doing his best to live according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Is that okay? But see, the purpose of that and spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, we call it a lot of times waiting on God. The purpose is to hear. (laughs) Dave would say, Fasting doesn't cause your voice to be heard on high. Fasting causes His voice to be heard by you on low. (laughs) But that's waiting on God by every means possible so that you get instructions from the head. Now, who's the head? Christ is the head of the body. Who's the body? We are. Now, watch what happens. Verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Now, that's important. The Lord, he's not directly showing up like he did with Saul. He's showing up in a vision. And this is one of the reasons why the language of the Holy Ghost, part of that language is visions and dreams. It's a way that Jesus can communicate with you without destroying you. Without, you know, him him appearing directly. Uh... Sometimes God showing up directly with your flesh is not very a very good idea. <laughs> anyway. But he, he the Lord's appeared in a vision. And He can appear to any of us in a vision at any time. And I, you don't always see Him. Sometimes you hear His voice. Sometimes you just know. All the things that Dave talked about, everything Dave taught us, how the Lord communicates. Now this time, it's a vision. And he said... Be, uh, so the... <clears throat> The Lord appeared to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, I love the detail. Arise. Today would say, get up. <laughs> go into the street which is called straight. That Today it'd be like, go down here to Peoria. Okay, go down to Harvard. Okay, go to, the, go to a certain street. Here's the name. Inquire in the house of Judas, find, that, find Judas's house, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, I bet he was, <laughs> and Saul hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. I love how God is working this on both ends. There's a vision for Saul of Tarsus. There's a vision for Ananias. I love the detail in Saul's vision. There's a man coming. Oh, by the way, his name is Ananias. Now, don't you know when the man came and announced his name, that was a great confirmation? You know, what's your name, Bill? I mean, that was... (laughs) the Lord works this on both ends then Ananias answered Lord I have heard by many of this man once he heard Saul of Tarsus how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem and here meaning in Damascus he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name that word to arrest us he has authority to arrest us (laughs) I like to Embellish just a little, Lord, are, do you know who this is? Are you sure about this, Lord? Now, see, I love the humanity there. It's okay to have questions. And I love that the Lord allows us to ask Him. And I love that He speaks back. See, this is real fellowship with the Lord. This is, this is why, people, the prayer, the fasting... The meditation of the word, the worship, all of it, to build an intimate relationship with the Lord. It's it's not really the and that's really the whole goal. God is He wants his family back. He wants a relationship with you. Okay. So Ananias asked good questions. But then the Lord said unto him Go thy way That's a real nice way Today we'd say Do what I told you (laughs) Do what I told you For he is a chosen vessel unto me To bear my name Before the Gentiles and kings And the children of Israel For I will show him How great things he must suffer For my name's sake Well now that's enough Ananias had heard enough It satisfied him Verse 17, Ananias went his way, he entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me. That thou mightest receive thy sight, notice, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. Now, would we'll just stop right there. Now, try and picture with me. This story has all of the elements that we're after for revival. Waiting on God. Let's talk about whose mind are you following? On my own, my natural mind in that situation, if I did not have the information from Jesus, if I, if I didn't have that vision, the last person on earth that I'm going to go talk to about Jesus is Saul of Tarsus. What if Ananias had come up with his own mind one week earlier? One week earlier, before this vision. I know what needs to happen. I need to go witness to that Saul of Tarsus. I, 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 that, that's what needs to happen. I'm going to go do it. I'm sure I'll be, I'm God's man for the hour. I'm going to go. Now, he hasn't had the vision. He doesn't know when. He just takes it upon himself. I'm going to go witness to Saul to tell him about Jesus. What do you all think would have happened? Bound and gone to Jerusalem. Maybe stoned just like Stephen. See, that's that would be Ananias following his own mind. Or just the opposite. Ananias would say, I'll tell you one thing. I am never, ever going to approach that Saul of Tarsus. Where he is, I ain't. <laughs> Make sense to you guys? Do country for you? Where he is, I ain't. <laughs> I'm not going to be where he is. Wherever he's going, I'm going to be somewhere else. See, that's also following your own mind. What is the point of waiting on God? Why do we spend the time getting quiet? Why do we spend the time in prayer? Why do we spend... Why, do, why, why for God's sake, do we fast? <laughs> why, why, I, and we're not told anything about Ananias. I can't tell you that he was on a three-day fast or a ten... I can't tell you anything about the man except we're told he's a disciple. Well, if he's a disciple, he's a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. If he's a disciple, he's going to obey the Sermon on the Mount when you pray, when you give, when you fast. He's going to spend time in worship. He's going to come to that place where he hears the Lord and that's where all of us need to be. Now, your Now we, we read the first part, hey, every day, what was their lifestyle? They were teaching and preaching Jesus everywhere. You couldn't shut them up. They're teaching and preaching. I think we're supposed to be doing that. Not necessarily, you know, shouting up and down every block, but every opportunity to witness, every time to share your testimony. I like how one man said, every day, move them a little closer to Jesus. Every day, move move them a little closer. Tell them. It's like my friend, uh, or my dad's friend, Ansel Hull, all those years ago. He He never really preached to me. But he would just walk by and slap me on the back and say, Gary, the best thing in life is serving Jesus. And he'd just walk on by. And at the time, I was in such rebellion, and all I could relate to that was those wooden pews and those boring messages. What? Best thing in life? But in him, it was so real. Those words haunted me for years. I was about 17, 18 at the time. And I didn't really come to the Lord until I was 33. But I couldn't get away from those words. The life... That was so real to him. There was such life in them. Then the other time he said, I can't, "And forgive me." A lot of time has gone by. I can't remember now. It was twenty years. I think it was twenty years. It might have been forty. He said, "Attended church. Uh, maybe attended church twenty years. Thought I was a Christian. Finally got saved." I couldn't get away from that one either. <laughs> what? What's he talking about? See, and he'd already gone on to be with be with the Lord by the time I I got saved. I asked Jesus, I said, I know I can't talk to Ansel, but could, would you tell him? <laughs> Can you let him know somehow that I appreciate him sharing that with me, see? And he wasn't out street preaching or anything, but he was sharing Jesus everywhere he went. That's that's that overflowing. Can't contain it too much. Every, too much Jesus, I got to tell you. Got to share somehow. Anyway. All we know is that this man is a disciple. But he gets an instruction from the head of the church. There are so many points here I want, to, I want to make. I believe Ananias was already... Being a disciple, that means he was following the general word of Christ. The everyday type teachings. Love your neighbor, forgive, that type of thing. But see, there comes a time, if you're gonna spend time waiting on God, when you're gonna hear something, you're gonna start hearing back. And, and it has to do with your part in the body. Um, da- yes. I, Dave would say, Tim, he would say, he says, Dave would say this. He said, Dave, he says, on my own, I am an evangelist. I cannot pastor without Tim. See, Tim has all the administrative gifts. He, he's the admin, he has all of that knowledge about everything. <laughs> that Dave, trust me, Dave does not want to handle the, you don't want Dave handling the emails. <laughs> you, do, <laughs> you know, we, Dave would write the letters, but how to distribute the letters and all of that. See, and so Dave would say, I've heard him say it more than once. He would look at Tim. He'd say, Tim, you could fulfill your calling without me. But I can't fulfill my calling as a pastor without you. Dave would be... He would have to revert back to evangelism. Okay, which is fine. But God had called him higher than that. So, it depend, what, the point of that is it depends on what you're called to be in the body, and you don't get to choose. You, you don't really get to choose. Jesus sets that. Gosh, I want to, help me, Lord, make this so real. Okay. (laughs) Yes, sir. It's not wrong to sing that song, Less of Me and More of You. But if we're not careful, we'll develop a mindset that we disappear somehow and that it's just Christ. That's not the case. Can you tell here that Ananias has his own personality and Jesus has his own personality to the point they're talking with each other see he's not wanting gary to go away he wants gary back <laughs> you understand the difference he wants me back but he wants me as his son back with the same heart motivations as Jesus with with the same love as Jesus made in the image of God he's wanting his family back he's wanting all of his children back the way he originally made man and well man was made in the image of God but Ananias is still Ananias what I mean is he has his own personality and God doesn't want that to go away Ananias is allowed to have questions he's allowed to ask questions and I think Jesus is so gracious to answer it back but he gives him precise instructions Tells him to lay Then he tell him Lay hands I've shown, I've shown Saul that a man's going to come in And lay hands A man named Ananias And notice when he gets there What does he do? Lays his hands on Saul Now let me ask you Are you sure those are Ananias' hands? Because power flows through them Power flows through them See, Ananias' hands have become the hands of Christ. Can you see that? Because he received instruction from the head, who is Christ. So when he obeyed the instructions, it's not much different than my hand, hearing instructions from my head, go give $100 to Fred, and when that's finished, then something happened. Well, in the supernatural realm, when the head, Jesus Christ, tells you to go lay hands on a blind person, if the head tells you to do it, and you go do it, the power flows through your hands. And it's not really your power. It's Christ in you. See, there's a connection on the end. See, the kingdom of God is within you. Ananias didn't have to plug his left hand into the wall socket and his right hand on... (laughs) (laughs) No, the power source is already within us But it's got to be directed by the head The true head of the body My body is not just my body anymore It is my body It gets me from point A to point B And so forth But my body has become His body And when the head, the real head Now, day by day uh, I'm to live my life according to the teachings of Jesus Christ and the nature that he put on the inside of me but when I receive an instruction from the head my body becomes his body for sure and that's why when I, when I obey what he said if I put my hands on like in this case Ananias puts his hands on Saul the power flows from Christ within him And really it's the Father in Christ which really that's the Holy Spirit <laughs> but the power flows from within There's a connection. The kingdom of God is within you. There's a connection because of Christ in you between this realm and the realm of the Spirit. And I want you to know it's no different than if Jesus had been there in his own body with his own hands. You know what I mean? What would have happened if he'd laid his hands on Saul? Well, of course, Saul would have... he'd, he'd, He'd see. And the point of this lesson... It is no different when it's your hands. But whose mind are you following? This would not have worked if Ananias would have come up with it on his own two weeks earlier. Trying to go witness to Saul without the mind of Christ. Now I'm not saying it's wrong to witness to Saul. But you better be led by the Spirit. (laughs) They, They were daily. They were preaching to everybody, it says, daily. But I'm I'm teaching to revivalists here. I'm not talking to everyday. Hmm. Let me just say it this way. I'm teaching to those who are sold out for revival. He has, for all of these decades, been training us. Maybe you have just recently started. Well, you're still in training. He's been teaching us, thank God, through all the teachings of Pastor Dave Roberson, how to hear his voice how to wait on God, how to purge our flesh of those things that would keep us from obeying Him when He does speak. Selfishness and fear and greed and all of those type of things for the purpose that Christ can really have a body on planet earth again. It's really the fulfillment of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Not only that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, meaning even if they kill it, I'm still going to do what you tell me. And in verse 2, that we no longer be conformed to the world. We don't think like the world. Our minds have been renewed. We've been metamorphosized. We've we've become a, a different human, a different kind of human. We're not limited to the things of the earth anymore. We can fly. We belong to a different realm. We're from a different kingdom. We're not even citizens of this earth. It looks like we are, but we're not. Our citizenship is in heaven. And really, you can look at this body and say, Well, that's Gary's body, and I know what you mean, and you're right. But what I'm wearing is really the body of Christ. And it comes down to, whose mind am I following? I've had so many, not really that many. I've had a handful of different, let me just say people, over the years, tell me... Sometimes prophesying, yeah, yeah, telling me things, you know, all of them involved leaving the prayer center one way or the other. And none of them were God. None of them were God. You gotta you gotta come to the place where you know him yourself. Sometimes to obey the word you know your risk in your life. It wasn't just Ananias. Didn't they beat all the twelve and tell them to stop? Threatened them? We're not going to obey you. Now normally we do obey the government, do we not? But when the government tells you something that causes you to disobey God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to obey God. You can do whatever you want, but I'm going to obey God. Well, thank God. So I just want to encourage you, please continue in prayers and fasting and waiting on God, seeking the Lord. We're coming into the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. He has told us we are going to see things that no human has ever seen before. Well, that's going to be quite something. Humans have seen quite amazing things. But we're going to see greater things than that. Like Dave says, continue You're going to be a happy camper. We'll see you in 30 minutes.